You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. You're listening to the Voluntary Vixens with Maddie and Jesse. I'm Brad Binkley, today's guest. Thank you for joining us today. It's going to be a fantastic show. I'll pass it over to your host for today's show, Maddie and Jesse. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Thanks for coming hey. on. <laughs> how, how did my introduction compare? It wasn't, you know, I didn't go too big with it. I went straight into the point. And I don't know if that compared with the other men of the mansplaining month. Very official. It was much less sexist than Cam and uh, yeah. and Robbie the Fire. Like, yeah. Oh, Cam, yeah. Cam yeah. made me laugh out loud with something very inappropriate the last time yeah. I was on a show. That's I won't repeat it here. That's what he does. That's He's probably dangerous. enjoying listening to his name right now as he's editing our episode. So He's yeah. definitely <laughs> enjoying it privately for sure. <laughs> Go under the table action. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, <laughs> I don't need to mansplain what that is. I think. I think no, that's I, gonna. I, think, I don't I think, think you do. Got that covered. <laughs> but so, for anybody listening who doesn't know who Brad Binkley is, Brad is the co-host of the Propaganda Report, which is one of the tools I'd say uh, to maintain sanity in this insane insane world like cruelly insane world um so brad and uh his co-host monica you know i think we've had both of you guys on the show together but um monica's been on with us as well um yeah like i, I just thank you guys again for what you do on a daily basis it's thank really you for the, the kind words and for listening and monica's great monica has so much information and uh it's it's makes it it makes it easy on me. It, you know, it's good to know that the person that you're working with is just a, a wealth of information and, and knows so much about uh, liberty and very helpful, definitely. No, for sure. I mean, when I first started listening to you guys, you guys were still on the air. Um, mm-hmm. So happy anniversary of being kicked off. Uh, yeah, it's, radio. It's, it's about a year or so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, and actually, I think it's probably about a year when us... Hmm, I don't know when one of the first few times we talked to Monica and yeah. um, man and what a crazy year it's been. So anyway, Brad is here to mansplain to our audience a little bit about propaganda, you know, kind of generally um, uh, just because I'd say you're pretty much an expert at this point. Well, you know, I think we all are kind of experts because we're surrounded by it. All the time, 24-7, it's just, uh, I think it's a matter of what level of expertise we, we get to. What, they, what we see in the news right now is we see a lot of people going, that's gaslighting, that's whataboutism, that's gaslighting, that's whataboutism. And it's this constant repetitive back and forth of people pointing out the surface level propaganda, which I think is being revealed to people so that they don't look deeper at the, the bigger narrative-based propaganda, the, the broad-scale propaganda. These social scientists, they have been researching this stuff for over 100 years. They, they had the Tavistock Institute. They, they do experiments. They, they've been experimenting. They've been investing God knows how much money since uh, Freud's days. And 
they are a step ahead of the general population. And to convince people that they can point out surface level propaganda is a way to blind people to what's really happening, which is brainwashing on the mass going on right now. We're, we're, we're being mm-hmm. freaking brainwashed. Do you ladies understand brainwashing? Does that? <laughs> I think that makes sense. Um, you, you, you know, some bleach, I think will do the yeah, trick. A little ble- bleach um, bit on the brain. What, uh, what did Hillary say about her servers? How to clean? <laughs> I think I think she said she she wiped it with bleach bit and then yeah. she yeah I don't know what she, maybe she slit somebody's throat with it after that and well, threw it in the trash can you know or chug, <laughs> made him chug it or something um, you know I think uh, we all know <laughs> that's propaganda that she was doing trying to make herself seem stupid yeah everything yeah. is propaganda it every really is. And, and it's just. To a, certain, to a certain point right now, it's the way people get attention on social media. People are being trained to be propagandists without even realizing it. These talking points are being injected into their minds from every, every avenue of communication they go to. You go to CNN, you go to MSNBC, you go, you go to Late Night with Colbert, you go to the, the Kimmel, and you hear the same talking points just in a different format. I mean, I hear Kimmel and Colbert do literally the same joke, just with like two words switched, and they... they all have the talking points. Even the other guy, Fallon, who really just is a goofy guy that wants to do comedy, he now is, is doing the political stuff too. It, it's crazy. It's too bad because like Jimmy Fallon, I used to th- I used to really enjoy him. Like He, he was, was the best one of the three, yeah. But And he had Donald Trump on his show and as soon as he had Trump on his show, they're like, fuck you, you traitor. Now you got you to gotta pedal this bullshit that everybody else is pedaling too. Yeah, yeah. and he did. He pedaled yeah. it. And he did, good. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it totally did. (laughs) Yeah. But you're right. We're getting bombarded with it from just about every outlet. I mean, I don't watch TV anymore. Like, I don't have cable. I haven't had it for years now. Um, Even going to my parents' house and, you know, they'd still have the news on and I just like am screaming at the TV because, you know, (laughs) I'm not a Republican, but there are more things to find in common with people that might appear on Fox news than any other channel. Um, and that's just how it is. And I don't know, you know, I agree. And I hate that. Like I I hate, and I still scream at them. Like I still scream at them and they deserve it. (sighs) But anyway, uh, it sucks because, and this is part of the, the propaganda techniques is you can have an observation that is very legitimate and true. And then the propagandists will put a similar observation in the mouth of Tucker Carlson or somebody on Fox News. And all of a sudden, that observation is invalidated because it, even, if, even if it is true, the fact that it came from the source that it came from, it loses all validity or credibility in the eyes of the person you're communicating with, unless that's somebody who disagrees with Fox News. If, you're, if your eye is to influence or uh, to open people's eyes who are blinded by the propaganda and you say hey tucker carlson said blank then you're going to lose them right away so that's a way to uh (laughs) take away the credibility of legitimate stuff by getting those who are discredited to repeat it exactly that evil tucker carlson i know monica and maybe and she's probably right you know that tucker carlson's like 100 percent just in the bag playing his part and he sucks. 
Well, yeah, yeah, he says stuff that's true. It's <laughs> yeah, not that they I don't know. say they yeah. all all the propagate. They have to say things that are true in yeah. order to win that trust so that they can then slip the line between. I think it was Deep Throat on the first episode of X-Files. At the end of it, he told Mulder, he said, the best way to lie is to sandwich it in between two truths. Yep. And yep. that's absolutely yep. true. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Speaking of Deep Throat and X-Files. Um, actually, I was probably even watching it this past summer when we last talked, Fred, but doing a doing a revisit of the X-Files was on a little bit of a hiatus for a few weeks. So I think it's about time to revisit this. But um, I am. I'm not Scully. I'm Mulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, yeah. About that for, how about that for gender roles? <laughs> yes. Yeah, flip it over a little bit. I think having uh, I, I would definitely not be Scully either. But I think that the, so Scully, the Scully role is necessary. That would be interesting to see that role reversal flipped. Edward Bernays, we were talking about mm-hmm. women being propagandized. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Torches of Freedom campaign that Edward Bernays this, put on. This was... Um, and that was, I believe, how they kind of convinced uh, women to start smoking cigarettes. Yes, it was taboo to smoke cigarettes yeah. at the time as a yeah. woman because it, it just y'all, y'all's it's too hot on y'all's little fingers, I, I guess to to hold yeah. <laughs> and so there's a, actually a video of Edward Bernays talking about this. To he's just speaking direct to the camera, and the guy lived to be like four thousand years old. He lived to be in his hundreds, I believe. And so Wait, the Bernays did. Yeah, he did. He That's died weird. in. And yeah, it is weird. I think it's 97 that he died That's in. Really weird. I know some of these these propagandists and these deep state people. What they, do they know? right. So what? what he's getting the good baby's blood. I think. I think he got weird. the good yeah, baby's like blood. Prime baby's blood. The good. And he's ta- totally got the good adrenaline. So he's talking about <laughs> this this torches of freedom campaign, and he's so old and decrepit, and and it's not. I'm not not ageist here but just like just prince the charles, way the recent pictures we've uh, seen of prince charles like worse that. i mean worse he looks like a, he's just like sunken down and he's really really old i mean he's almost a hundred like bilbo and he's, and yeah <laughs> he's like yeah lord when of the he rings doesn't have the ring got it bilbo baggins yeah as edward bernays <laughs> <laughs> and so he's talking about this campaign to get women to smoke, and he's just so creepily talking about it. He's he's like, I, I went to, I, 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 he talks kind of like, I, I, he's almost like Fauci, but with a little bit of a higher pitched voice. He's like, I went to go see a, a therapist because we wanted to get women to smoke, and and uh, 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 so I asked him, you know, what what is it about the cigarettes, and, and and it's taboo for women to smoke cigarettes, and. Long story short, he came back and he told me that it was titillating for women to 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 break the taboo of smoking cigarettes. And he kept using that term titillating and he had a creepy smile on his face. So it, it was really it was really kind of sexist in the way that he talks about how he propagandizes women as he, he talked about them as tools to use, mm-hmm. as uh, as tools to manipulate psychologically. And his idea was, well, here's what we're going to do. They it's taboo. They are getting repressed. They're, they're oppressed. Their oppressor, mm-hmm. the man, 
is holding you back from expressing your freedom. Can you believe that man over there is holding? And this, I mean, he, he describes his process and he, he puts the terminology that he uses in there. I don't remember it exactly, but it would be the equivalent of me walking over to, to somebody, to a woman going, hey, you see that guy over there? Is that, that's your husband? Wow, he's really oppressing you by having you, you know, be in the kitchen all the time, raising the kids. Well, can you, you could have so much more freedom. Look at him over there having a good time. Do you want your oppressor to win? No, here's what you do. You need to go take this cigarette, march up the street, and that will show. And he did this, and he, he got plants. He got women that he knew, and he even talked about them kind of like as though they were uh, uh, women on the, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's how he spoke about them. I had a few friends of mine. I got to go walk down the, and it was like the Thanksgiving parade, or it was a parade similar to the Thanksgiving parade. It wasn't the Thanksgiving parade, but he had them go into different sections and he would give the signal say when i signal to you is when you're going to take out your your flame of freedom and you're going to light it and they they all did it and because it was taboo and because he did he was very smart about how to work the the media the public relations aspect of it and he knew that because it was so novel that the people looking for news stories this is the whole idea is when you know people are hungry for news stories, they want to break the news, they want the headlines, you can put things in front of them that captures their attention, that tells a story that you want them to tell. And so he did that. They took the photographs. They had all of the women there. And what he had also done is he had told them what to say to the news reporters. He said, here's what you tell them. And the torches of freedom. This is a, it's liberating you from your male oppressor. He gave them all of these, these points to make and prepackaged it, found the, the media that he wanted to deliver it to, and they gave them the talking points. They had the photos that were taken. And then the next day, it was all over the front page news. And then he also jokes about how he didn't even have to reach out to other news publications around the country because when the one, one of them sees the story, the rest of them see the story and they copy it. And it spread around the country overnight by getting a dozen or so women in there to act like they're breaking free from their male oppressor by smoking cigarettes. And he did it all for a big corporation to make money. All of it. Yeah. Do you think that's kind of what they're doing like with COVID and nurses? Because we know that nurse, nursing is filled with women. And so I've always wondered if they just kind of target that population because women tend to be kind of agreeable so they, and, and then all you got to do is just say, well, you're, you're a hero and you're right. so selfless. Look at what you do for yeah. a living. And they just fall for it, you know? <laughs> uh, there's, there's definitely an angle to that in the, the healthcare hero aspect of what's going on. They, they have all these they, people clapping, stopping and clapping for their healthcare hero. Look, I, I love nurses. My mom was a nurse. I have a lot of respect for nurses. My I have family members have been, uh, chronic disease has been in and out of the hospital. In my opinion, the nurses work far harder than the doctors when it, when it comes to what they're doing with the patients because they, the doctors often come in and out. The nurses, they, they do the dirty work. Mm -hmm. But why not appreciate them all the time instead of just yeah. this propaganda angle of that? That's what I'm just like, this is so stupid. And they are playing to the, they're playing to not only the ego of them, but making them a hero and an icon, which in, increases their ability to influence others. Like, so you get a nurse right now or a doctor, but nurses, especially because they're the ones kind of on the front lines giving out the vaccines, I think. Yeah. And they're hiring hardcore in my town right now. 
Really? I'm looking at yeah, different I, jobs and like almost half of them are immunization. Just they need somebody to do immunizations. Yeah, <laughs> that's a crazy. Lot of jabs. Yeah, yeah, a lot of jabs, <laughs> a lot of jabs going. On. Not all of them given by Andrew Cuomo. Just so some of them are given by nurses as well. Um, <laughs> but that, that's for another another story. But <laughs> these, yeah, it, it builds them up into they they like to create these iconic figures, you know, like these personalities, and they the almost the the icon of the nurse now is going to have the influence of, of others and putting these nurses in the position to where they feel good about what they're doing and they should feel good about what they're doing. I don't mean spreading a vaccine or, or anything like that. I just mean being a nurse is a tough job. It's, it's, it's a hard job. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is it's such a, it really is a hard job and I'm not trying to diminish that like when I make fun of it, but it, it seems like uh, the jobs where you're spread so thin are the ones where those people are really easy to manipulate. Like I'm thinking right. of like, and it's not oh, just absolutely. nursing. Any job really where they have unionized workers, like like te- I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. Teachers are spread thin too, so they're e- mm. they're easy to manipulate. And any like I, mm. my cousin, he is a welder, and they always seem to try to target welders into like some Democrat issue. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's always those types of jobs that are high stress where you're having to manage multiple things at the same time. It seems like when you have people who are spread thin it's easy to kind of get them to kind of go in the direction you want them to go. Right. Yeah. Because they don't have the, you don't have the time, the brain power to, you know, think about it. That's when you're most vulnerable is, and they talk about that in the propaganda literature. That's why we see a lot of the messaging come from television is because when we watch TV, we're not in political mode. We're not in critical think mode. We're in veg out mode. And that's the best opportunity to put messages in people's heads. And, And, when you tell some of the women working or, or who men, there's men nurses too, that they, they are in a put, put in a position where they are kind of put up on a, uh, they're given high stature and then, then they're told it's their responsibility. And that's where, that's where the action oriented items come in. It's like, uh, look, everybody's looking to you now. It is your responsibility not to question the vaccine or it is your responsibility because people trust you. They are looking to you. Therefore, you now must be responsible and you must uh, protect democracy. And they, it's just like World War I propaganda. It's the same shit they did during World War I. They are organizing all of the major influencers and the, the influential occupations and they are putting them in positions where they have uh, power and authority over certain subjects and then they're, they're making them feel guilty if they do not propagate the line that they're Spo- they're told they're supposed to propagate. And I, I feel like that's going on with nurses. I, you're a nurse. I can imagine it's probably uh, terrifying to, to think about questioning some of this stuff in front of your peers or oh, in front yeah. of, uh, yeah. I've lost friends over it, like literal friends. So um, it's definitely been one of those things where I actually, there, one of my really good friends, she, she was following us on our Instagram and she was listening to our podcast and everything. And then one day she commented on some one of the posts we put on on um, Instagram about you know the vaccines, and she said like this is ridiculous. She lasted a while too. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Considered, it you know? literally <laughs> was the vaccine that was like that's it. And then I remember she commented about that. Uh, we I, we posted something about um, I think it was the nurse that passed out after she got her vaccine oh, yeah. in Chattanooga. Yeah, the yeah. first one that prop. Yeah, she got so mad at me for posting that video that I was, you know, I was just being ridiculous. And then, like, the week later, she posted some 
she did that like i got my vaccine and like did her oh like, god i hate that like, they got their yeah. mask on they're giving the thumbs up yeah <laughs> fucking hate that yeah and it's like a red carpet so like, i mean I- that was like <laughs> i've just been surprised i've ha- I had some nurse friends that have lasted for a long time listening and you know agreeing with me along the way but as soon as it got to where they this vaccine was available and they could get it for free through work it was like right. early ahead of free. Most yeah, of the I love people, that free right? angle. Yeah, right. Free. Um. They give these incentives too. Well, here's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna do this, but we're gonna give it to you free, and we're gonna give you these these tickets for sweepstakes to win a big TV and a donut they, for doing, every day of a, your life. Every day, you fat. <laughs> you can go fucking get your cholesterol <laughs> off your ass. For you'll die at the end of the year, but you'll have the vaccine. You won't die of COVID. You'll die of Krispy Kreme. <laughs> It's fucking crazy the way they're trying to incentivize people. It's unbelievable. They're, for the NBA games and for the Miami Heat, I don't know if you guys heard this, they're going to be segregating where people can sit. So people who have taken the vaccine are going to get the up-close seats, sections right? on the game. Yeah, they're going to really get the is. good seats and a separate entrance. They're going to get to come in. So how long does it take a separate water fountain? This is yeah, getting back to segregation of the it 50s. Really it's is. crazy. It's, uh, you know, just another branch of class warfare really it really is what it'll it'll end up being like we've been here before guys (laughs) do you think that might be why do you think that might be why like i don't know if you guys have noticed this but i've had um you know the gina carano thing where she posted a picture some picture of like i don't know hitler or something when she was making her point and Mm -hmm. i've seen other people post like similar things on facebook or instagram twitter and they get 30-day bans. I'm wondering if, it, if they're trying to slowly, like, you know, try to get Nazi Germany and World War II pro- stuff off of the internet so that we can't keep making these connections. Comparisons. Because they know they're what they're doing. Obvious. Actually, that's a good point. Because, like, you know, Carrie Wedler and um, that girl we follow who's always got the best memes, Jesse Lauren, I think her name is. Sutherland? Yeah. Lauren no. Teresa or something Yeah, like that. she's just, she's like, not to diminish her at all to say she's a nobody, but she's like, she doesn't do anything except like, she's, she's got a lot of followers on Instagram. On, um, yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. She's awesome. I'll send her your, I'll send you her stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll check it but, out. But so I think both of them recently um, shared like screen grabs of previous like years old posts of theirs where they had shared something with like, you know, nazi flags and a crowd you know being there at like some nazi event and you know making a point about you know comparing it to fascism or totalitarianism and authoritarianism that we're seeing today yeah. or, or even at the time that they posted it maybe a few years ago and and you know that might have been even under trump that might have been under obama it doesn't matter but those old posts of theirs are getting flagged and taken down now for yeah, having yeah. those nazi symbols so are you you're, are you saying that you think they might be taking them down so that people don't recognize that the tactics being used are the same tactics as not that could, you know that could yes. very well be the case. I, I know they like to draw it up because they do like to draw comparisons to the right and, and classify like like QAnon alt right Republican conservative Trump and all that just thrown into the same racist category yeah. that they like to do. Mm-hmm. But there, there's this uh, we did this deconstruction of. Uh, 
panel discussion between military psychological operations people. And there's this one woman who works on what's called narrative warfare, which is what she believes the foundation of psychological warfare. And she talks about unearthing the, one of the tactics to, to get people to break people free from the adversary propaganda to break them free from some of the adversary propaganda is to expose them to the tactics that they're using and then compare those tactics to like to Nazis or to authoritarians. And that does fall in line to what she was preaching about that is you might, you want to expose it on one end, but then you want to get rid of it when you're doing it, when you want people to, to use those tactics, you don't want them to realize that they're using those. So that could very well be the case because it's, it couldn't be more, Nazi-like. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. In fact, I, I, I'm pretty certain that people don't recognize it. On uh, People, no, Sadly, people, people on the left, we recognize it. People who are preaching it and doing it, they're fellow travelers. They're bought in. They believe they have, when I say they, I mean the, the average citizen, people, people we know, uh, my friends in the arts community, the uh, maybe y'all's friends. <laughs> Right. That the people that are pulling the strings, they, they know what they're doing. They know they're yeah, fucking yeah. people. But they, they don't realize that they're, they're spreading propaganda and that they're using the tactics they preach against. And they believe that they are fighting an evil that is upon them. And it's baffling to me how so many smart people and some of my friends, I, I do improv acting of comedy. I've done it for a long time. And I know a lot of people who have just gone off the deep end on social media anyway. Mm-hmm. It's strange in person. They're not as off the deep end in person. One-on-one, usually people are a lot more reasonable, but on social media, <laughs> there's just no fucking having a con. Yeah. It's a different person. It's unbelievable, yeah. but like they'll say the craziest shit. And it's like, do you, do you believe what you're saying? And some of them actually do. Yeah. And they're just, I think, They get surrounded by this shit. They get pulled into some of these organizations, some of these activist organizations that train them in how to do this stuff, seriously training them on just backwards ass, upside down world shit. Like we deconstructed one training the Indivisible did, and they were training people on how to communicate about the George Floyd stuff and how to organize around the George Floyd stuff. And they would always kind of preempt what, somebody who was making a counter argument would say, they would say, here's what the person making the counter argument will say. People will come to you with this shit. It's crazy. <laughs> we know. And then here is exactly what you say to counter it. And uh-huh. one of the examples they, they gave was, you know, you might have some people coming to you that say, well, I agree with the uh, standing up against police brutality, but I just think that using violence in communities and burning buildings down. And um, I just think that that's not, there could be a better way of doing it. And I don't like that aspect of it. And, and they said, now here's how you handle those people. Anybody coming to you that says that, that says that you should challenge people who are burning buildings down and hurting people during these George Floyd riots. Those people are racists who are trying to gaslight you. Yeah. So are people who preach to you about Martin Luther King. If somebody comes to you and says, yeah, why don't we do what Martin Luther King did peaceful? That's a racist who is trying to gaslight you. It's crazy. So they're promoting Psychotic. violence by, it's fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> they, they even do these. So if I'm rambling, cut me off at any time. No, Cause, like, cause I have a tendency. 
Yeah, I mansplaining because I know it's like I, I'm, I, I actually broke up with a girl once because she accused me of mansplaining. I can tell you oh that right, later. Oh, man, I was a progressive. You missed out. You sounds like you really missed a winner right there. Yeah, well, I, yeah. <laughs> It's quite an interesting, interesting (laughs) times. It was a lot lot of, it's not, not too many rightly, right leaning or libertarian. And and I'm not, I don't consider myself anything. I I think as soon as you slap a label on somebody, then people start treating you like the label and they don't treat you like, and and nobody is the label. Yep. Right. Yeah. And uh, I I lost my train of thought there. (laughs) Shit. You, uh, we were going talking on about the training. We were talking about the psycho oh, right. invisible yes. training trainers. The psycho uh, they do role playing exercises. It's fucking great. It's hilarious oh, to wow. watch. But it's also oh, very God. disturbing. I don't want to throw up. They they go, they even go, All right, here, I'm gonna be the person calling and you're going to be you're going to demonstrate how to handle me, the wild racist calling saying, What about Martin Luther King? Isn't he great? Shouldn't we do peaceful stuff? And you know, I'm gonna act like the oh, racist man. that says that. And then they, they demonstrate it. And it's so cringeworthy. Oh, wait, but so it's, the racist is bringing up Martin Luther King in this scenario? Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, that's how they frame okay. it. The racist, they say, you're, they say you're a racist gaslighter if you say, hey, you should not burn down a building in protest. And their explanation for that is they said, okay, here's how it works, guys. As white people, and these trainers are all white people. They're yeah. all white. They're all white uh, progressive women. And yeah. the indivisible group. Oh, and like three strikes. At, <laughs> three strikes. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. 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 So they say, um, not everybody has the privilege to use nonviolent protests. That's their explanation. And think about that for a minute. Not everybody has the privilege to use nonviolent protests. Like that's God. literally that, you're assuming really that the people you're so talking to are stupid when you say that because but you're it, you're it, assuming they're not worse. going to think. Stephen, what's worse what they, you know, are implying about these people that are burning things down and it's yeah. so that they're black. They're implying that they're black. Which, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're not. They're white progressives, Antifa, probably. Probably, yeah. And, and that that's actually probably a tactic that if that you can't expose true. people to it, the fact that they are not they're saying this and they're actually implying and assuming that it's black people doing this stuff when the reality is that that's not the case like it's mixed you don't know who's doing it sometimes there's just as many white people there yeah if not more there's more yeah 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 i don't know know, anybody the way the population breaks down anyway and you know right black people were kind of i I don't yeah i don't know i don't i don't i don't have experience with uh, all the different groups and i only have the we all have our own circles that we communicate with i know a lot of black people have a lot of black friends uh uh, um most of them are very skeptical about the vaccine and they're like this shit's crazy that's going on Uh, and the media it's it just seems so racist to me and condescending when you see the media just kind of belittle black people the way they talk about it like like people don't understand stuff and i'm just like this yeah I, i just don't get how I feel like it's probably white liberals that are, are pushing most of it. It's, yeah, it is. Know, yeah, especially when, like, what was it? Joe Biden said that Hispanic people and black people don't know how to use the internet or don't know how to use the God, computer. It's so, but it's okay. He's just Joe. His brain's dead. It's okay. He's a sweet moral guy. Um, yeah, yeah, Joe. Come on. He's moral as fuck. He's, so actually, Brinkley. Hunter Biden's a great kid. You might be the person that explains this um, if, if it's a thing. So, And we didn't finish the clip because there's only – so much time in a day and you know saturday night live isn't funny anymore so oh you talking about um, this week's snl i think so so my boyfriend was like 
showed me the beginning of a clip and it was basically um Kamala Harris's cedar. Yeah. And yeah, um that. she kept saying <laughs> Joe Biden. Like yeah, is that a yeah. thing? Like does she like I I, I, I can't listen to the woman cuz she's awful. But I, like I, Maya yeah. Rudolph or what's her name? Maya Rudolph? I think it's Maya Rudolph. Yeah. yeah. She, she did her she, Kamala. She was pretty funny as her like just being a I think she was just taking Kamala's blase. Kamala's very blase. And she's kind of taking it to the extreme. Almost like uh, Harry Carey, like Kamala Harris, you know, just was like, Biden. The sense that I got Got from the SNL stuff was, oh, it's Joe. Joe's in my pocket. Joe Biden. I'm in charge. Yeah. It's crazy how SNL. I, I talked about this on, on our show today because I did. I watched SNL last night, mm-hmm. and they did. I think it was three sketches on vaccines. They did one with Sidney Powell was crazy. They did an, another with uh, I think it was something about QAnon. They had a rap song about boomers get the jab and they're so excited. Where you get the jab, you can go live your life again. It, oh it, it was all fucking cringeworthy. And then they did the the Chinese guy. I shouldn't say Chinese. I don't know if he's Chinese. The Asian guy, mm-hmm. the Asian care, the Asian cast member who became a cast member a couple of years ago after the the white comedian. There was some audio Shane, of a podcast. Yes, Shane McGillis. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and I think he might have said it. Might have been Asian. He, he was doing it. Yeah, he was doing an Asian accent, and he was talking about okay. them, how many of them were like in a certain part of New York or something like that. It really was actually kind of a funny joke, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> and if you when you're in the comedy in the comedy world, it's when you do comedy, you have to stretch the bounds of what is acceptable. I mean, that's yeah. part of of Otherwise, the process. What are you Same, doing there? Yeah. Right. If you're just if you're just doing Colbert, which is is just a there's nothing about him. Colbert's a funny person, but his show is so unfunny because it's just CNN just in a little bit of a different different way with, with him doing like funny, ha, ha, wow, stupid that, shit. Do you think that Steve Colbert like cries himself to sleep at night or like just has like a sob so. fest in his shower? Like he just looks it, it, like it, he hates himself. If he's not crying himself to sleep about how much he's sold out, then he is a psychopath. Yeah. Because I, I've never seen <laughs> the guy. He's a psychopath. He's not crying. It's just, right, yeah. They pat themselves on the back and circle jerk. And- he's, right. It, it, there's no doubt there's a circle jerk to start every show. All right? Today's circle jerk about Joe Biden. And, and ever since Joe Biden won, he's just been like, oh, Joe, Joe, everything's great about Joe. And even his jokes are about how great Joe is. You know, Joe's so great. This joke just demonstrated how great Joe is. And how his dogs are violent. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Joe wears a man diaper every day. I mean, I I don't. And I'm not just saying that because I'm being mean. Like you're a nurse. That's a professional opinion of yours, right? You know, you've dealt with that's my professional opinion. The way that he walks when he walks (laughs) away, he walks. He walks like an old man who who is, and, and that's what happens when you get old. And I think there are times where he does kind of play it up i think they do want him to play it up but i'm not in the camp that thinks he's all the way faking because he's 78 years old he's had like brain surgeries and he is clearly at time unless he's the best actor in the world he's clearly at times having a hard time finding himself sometimes you feel bad about it but then whenever i feel bad about it i just go look at hunter biden's picture and think about what a great kid he is and just how everything about him is being covered up and, and, and swept under the rug but uh, the the SNL stuff with with Kamala, 
And uh, all right, so the, the character, they had the Shane Gillis who got kicked out and then they, they cast their first Asian cast member ever. That's the first oh. time they've ever. So up until then, they are SNL, so anti-Asian. Right, like, exactly. Oh my, oh my god! This, god. this is really? the only Asian cast member they've ever had. And so they br- they bring wow. out this cast member to the, he goes to the it's on the the weekend news report the section that they do, mm-hmm. and they do this every now and then. Whenever there's something happens, they'll have somebody that represents that group come out and be like, "Well, we're not going to be funny for a minute because we need to talk about hate." And so they, oh they say, come here, token, get your token Asian ass out here, and you're going to talk about Asian hate. And this guy <laughs> is so, so gay and flamboyant that oh. he can't help but be gay and flamboyant all the time. Is this the one and that Tim Dillon did genuinely? a whole thing on? I think Tim oh, Dillon maybe. did his whole show on that. <laughs> the, oh, the guy's terrible. It's, okay, I, like, I, I'm not. I, he's He's not. The, the improv theater that I used to perform at was, was there's a lot of good groups there he would probably not be on any of the main stage groups. He would be, because the guy does, he does the same gay flamboyant character, which is who he is. And that's fine. But it's clear to me that he's there because of his demographic. And there's really funny Asian people, a lot of really funny Asian people. This guy, in my opinion, is not one of them. Um, Unless unless they're other Asian comedians. Like I don't understand. Right. I mean, isn't there like a binder of Asian comedians? (laughs) Yeah, they got a binder. (laughs) He had the best, uh, most manipulable um, Asian in the binder. I do wonder, though, because I don't know him personally, and I haven't seen him perform outside of SNL. I do wonder if they're just pigeonholing him into these types of roles that makes him, because he can only do what they direct him to do. So it might not be his, I'm sure he's a funny guy in person when you meet him. If you're going to get on SNL, you got to have, you're going to have talent, you're going to have some, but just what they have him do on there is not, it's not funny. And so they send him out there to talk about Asian hate, but the guy can't help himself. So he's trying to crack these kind of like, weird flamboyant jokes in the middle of saying Asian hate is serious and you can tell he's not taking it seriously and you can tell he doesn't want to be doing that it really is and and the whole segment I would encourage you to watch it it's incredibly cringeworthy one of the most cringeworthy that I have seen and the Kamala thing that was the weirdest on SNL is they brought you know I pointed this out a while ago because I watched one of her interviews with her husband you know her her husband who by the way is a wealthy powerful jewish hollywood lawyer yeah the guy is a behind the scenes totally he is a behind the scenes powerful man it's a a marriage based on true love yeah true love (laughs) yeah you're right they're just soulmates you know absolutely they they met five years ago they were they were uh (laughs) hooked up by one of his friends and i used to tell people oh wow kamala's absolutely kamala's so great about racial justice why don't you guys see what color her children are um, because her stepchildren are white, her husband's white, and that's actually a thing. That's, that, that's a thing in, in, in the black community. I know black girls who are like, oh, she's marrying a white guy, that's, but she, she's saying this, but then she's going off and marrying a, a rich white dude, and she'll be like, that's bullshit, contradicting her message. And I, I tend to, I, I mean, I don't give a shit, but I, yeah. I hear what people say about that, and then I hear what Kamala says, and then Kamala is, is living the elite life with a Hollywood lawyer and, and a family 
that she's acting like she's an uh, oppressed, underprivileged person, which nothing about Kamala Harris <laughs> no. is underprivileged. Nothing. Nothing. nothing fucking about her. It, it, well, it she's just, like, isn't she like her family is Indian of the Brahmin caste, which is the highest caste of all like elite, Indians. Elite Indian royalty. Caste. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and then and I think wealthy they, to do Jamaicans. Yeah. Like, and they don't, and the, the Indians, they say they don't have a caste system in, in their country, but they do. And that is the highest caste. Like, they have the yeah. best jobs. They own most of the businesses. Yeah. Parents worked at Berkeley, I think, and she grew up yeah. in that area. And she taught, and she called Biden racist and said yeah. that she was involved was in the busing. It, it's, it's just borrowed oppression is what yeah. these people are getting. They want yeah. to borrow oppression from people that really experienced it and pretend that they did so that they can be the spokesperson for these groups when the reality is they're exploiting these groups to uh, build their own power. And uh, the, Kamala's done that. Kamala, the, the fucking Knights Templar story oh, in San yeah. Francisco that nobody ever fucking talks about. Yeah, I want to know more about that. You, you yeah, this this guy who worked for her, who she directly oversaw, and the the only response you ever get from her office about the story you're about to hear is, oh no, that was a low level staffer that she had nothing to do with. That is not true at all. She directly oversaw him and she actually thanked him personally in a special report on truancy in 2015. So his name is personally highlighted and thanked in this report that her office put out for the great work that he did. Well, it turns out this guy's name is Brian Keel and two of his friends, I can't remember the other guy's name. I just know that he went by the Grand Master and mm -hmm. the Grand Master's girlfriend, right. They <laughs> were going around, they were sending letters, they were going around telling police precincts that they were descendants of the Knights Templar, which is the first police organization to ever exist, a fraternal order of police departments or something like that, that's what they would say. And because of that, they are they they are exercising their jurisdiction over all of these police precincts in california all of the police precincts in 33 states i don't know which 33 but 33 it's an interesting number <laughs> oh, and mm, number. for some reason that all of mexico yeah so they Wait, would show up of, and all of what all of mexico also oh. they were exercising their jurisdiction there as well they would show up and <laughs> yeah the la policia they would have their police uniforms on their fake police uniforms and apparently they had a bunch of cop cars at their house like the the and a bunch of weapons and stuff it's really bizarre and their neighbors were like yeah we thought they were cops there's always cop cars always a bunch of you know shit going on over there we thought it was police officers they weren't police officers he was using his kamala harris badge to get access to these he, that's how he got in yeah. hey i work for the secretary of state and he gets in there and one of the cops thank goodness uh, was kind of like, okay, this is weird. This is really weird. You're telling me you're from the Knights Templar and you want to have jurisdiction over our precinct. Uh, let's see your badge. Okay, he called the FBI. And so they started investigating. And as the investiga investigation went on, they, they eventually arrested them. And they asked Brian Keel, the one who worked for Kamala, um, if Kamala, what she would say about what they were doing, uh, you know, using her name, using the badge from her office to get access to this. And he said, um, she has approved what we're doing. So she's not against it. She is approved what she, know not only does she know, she's cool with it. And, and so nobody's ever asked Kamala about that. And the other two people, the story gets even weirder. The other two people, the grandmaster, there's photos of this guy with Bill Clinton in like this weird long, uh, Illuminati looking robe. There's photos of him with 
what's the old black senator who's always just going off the handle? Who uh, just died recently? No, no, no. She's um. Oh. Her name. Um, oh, oh, gosh. Um, slips my mind. What is it? Yeah. I know. Uh, it's the one in California you're talking about? Yes, Max, I can Maxwell? picture. Yes, yeah. her. Yes. her. Yes. They gave her an award. They gave her an award. Maxine Waters. That's, That's what it is. It. There we go. Yeah, they, <laughs> they gave her all this propaganda. It's just burying information in our yes. minds. Yeah. But they gave her an award. They're photographed with her. The one guy, Brian, the one guy, uh, not Brian Keel, but his buddy, the Grandmaster, was an award when he won an Emmy for journalism at a local Fox News station years yeah. ago. It's crazy, right? And so you get to their you get to their trial trial date, right? Or, or yeah, you get to their trial date. And so Brian Keel, the one who works for Kamala, strangely gets the charges dropped on the day of his trial. Hmm. So he was charged with imperson like impersonating privilege. a police officer. Yeah. And uh, he was charged with there was another, I can't remember what the other charge was, but he, he was facing, it was a minimal sentence, a few years, but he got his charges completely dropped. And so nobody's ever heard from him, at least on social media. Again, he stopped tweeting on that year. No tweets from his account since then. I wonder if yeah, they I let tried. him ride into the sunset <laughs> or if he I, got suicided and wasn't important enough for us to hear about it. Right. I, I think it's one of those two. I, I completely agree. <laughs> now, of the three, now he didn't get charged. Jeez. Of the other two, only one of them got charged. Do you think it was the man, the, the grandmaster, or the woman who was the grandmaster's girlfriend that was involved? Only one of them did time. Take a guess, man or woman? The woman. The woman got charged and prosecuted. And, oh. and by all reports... By all reports, she didn't do shit. By all reports, she was fucking tagging along, according to the investigator. She just seemed like she was kind of tagging along with her boyfriend. And she's the one who gets fucking hit with something. I think she spent, it was, I think it was less than a year. It wasn't much time, but she did get uh, charged. And the reason that the other guy didn't get charged is because uh, the, on the day of his trial, the night before he dropped dead. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Uh, and I go to his Right. You go to his YouTube page and there's bizarre video after bizarre video of him talking directly to the camera. And when I first found these videos, they had like they still 15 up? views. The last time I checked, they were. Yeah. I can send you, I can find the link and send it to I you think, after the show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you guys put it, you can put it in the show notes, but they had almost no views at the time. They've gotten a little bit more now, but in the videos, He's talking about directly to the camera saying the investigator has put a hit out on me and wants to kill me. Um, Multiple videos. He says that and he's begging Kamala Harris to step in and save him. And then he drops dead. Hmm. Nobody's ever asked Kamala about that. She's the fucking vice president. You're a conspiracy theorist. If you bring it up, it's easy to find the information on this. It's just insane. The shit that can get buried. And what do you think, even, Maddie? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about my friends that cried during her, you know, swearing in because she's got the a first female vice president. First I mean, female vice president. You know, let's shatter some glass color. ceilings. Let's fucking, you know, just. Yeah, how many black none, people she put in jail? Yeah, uh, by the way, they were, these were all black people that exactly. she did this to. Exactly. I mean, it's just, she's evil. <laughs> she, she, to me, seems like behind the scenes that she will will slit somebody's throat you know choke a baby or something behind the scenes and, and fling it she she just yeah. seems like a mean i think she's person like just a more youthful hillary 
like still yeah. yes. very unlikable. Um, the cackle, you know, a different yeah. color. Yeah, the cackle. I mean, mm, there's a lot of a uh, lot of similarities right. there. So, a, a propaganda example towards women, though, with Kamala and her husband is. So they started this a few months ago when he tweeted this thing. That was when I first noticed it. Is he? He it was a picture of Kamala getting off, I think, Air Force One, and it was, she was in um, jeans and chucks. And yeah, he was so like, cool. Kamala, I know, wearing jeans and chucks. She's so fucking hip and cool. We're the cool <laughs> couple, you know, and, and we're chill. And uh, so that SNL portrayed this pretty well, actually. And I noticed this in the they did the first interview that they did. Uh, introducing Kamala and her husband. This was a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And the whole interview, it was, he was, uh, I don't use this word typically, but it's like somebody said, all right, during this interview, you need to play the best cuck you can play. Okay. You need to be the most effeminate, flamboyant. Uh, you or you bow to her knees. And the whole time he was just like, oh my God, me and my buddy, we, we were at the Dodger game. And he said, text her. I was like, no, I don't know what to say. He's like, well, text her. It's like, it's like sex in the city women having a conversation, oh, except it was two men <laughs> talking about Kamala Harris. And everything about him was subservient. Everything about him was, it was like the perfect progressive boyfriend being demonstrated and modeled to the mm -hmm. public saying this is what you have to be men for your progressive women and uh, you know maybe maybe women will like that i don't I know i don't women know. like that yeah they do I, maybe I, I think maybe, maybe yeah. they, they do like, but they I, I, I don't know they don't i don't know i told you i dated a, a progressive woman that i we broke up Un uh, until she uh, said that you she said mansplaining and i was like <laughs> i just i can't you're using that term a little too you're throwing it around you say she would say uh, she and I don't she's nice. She's cool. I like her. But uh, dating wise, we weren't compatible. Uh, um, really? <laughs> yeah, she, she would. We'd be watching. We'd be see something on, on TV and it would just be like Trump and it'd be CNN flashing a thing of Trump. And it would just be like a guttural reaction. Go, oh, he's so racist. I'm just like, go, oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. Well, why, why does that make you think he's racist? They just, yeah, they just showed a fucking picture of him. Everything can't be racist, you <laughs> yeah. know? But it was like a trigger, and yeah. I, and at one point, I just at one point I was like, I, I've dealt with it okay at first, but at one point I was just like, look, everything can't be racist. I, I don't. He's not, and I started giving examples of. I started mansplaining why is, yeah. it wasn't racist. Um, you had or, to. or why he might not be racist. To. Brad, it <laughs> right. was your duty. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm like I can't sit here and just every time a, a trigger comes up, that. just racist gets spits out because uh -huh. that actually causes <laughs> fucking racial division when it's just like oh racist. It's, it's just. It really, it's really does. Harmful. They want to. It's very divisive. Yeah, I so, don't know how that's good. Yeah, it's not good at all. There's this book called. Here, I'll show it to you. It's called Plato's Fear, and that woman, Ajit Man, uh -huh. she is a psychological warfare expert. She works with a think tank. It's called like Narrative Strategies, and she she was part of the deconstruction that we did. Uh, we deconstructed their panel discussion a few weeks ago. It's in our, our Rockfin videos, but she is very, very good at what she does. You can, as soon as you listen to her, you're like, wow, this chick, she's brutal and she's probably cutthroat, but man, does she know her shit? And is she, she white talks hat or black about, hat? What do you mean? Is she behind the scenes or? I mean, you know, is she working with the uh, the enemies like the people that oh, are trying no, to program totally. all she's totally. people? Absolutely. Yeah, no. she, she's, she's brags about how Fuck they use her. this shit. <laughs> Under my yeah, that that that's like I'm saying she's good at what she does. Yeah. I don't like what um, she does. Unfortunately, she's really good at what she does. Right. 
Yeah, but she talks about how creating that, that reaction in people, she talks about using this narrative psychological warfare, the repetitiveness of it, mm. to put these things within people to, to manifest the reality, to make them believe that it comes from within them through the repetition, <sighs> through the narrative style of, of programming it within society, within the education system, so that they can manifest this shit and make it real when they want to undermine the unity of a nation and destroy a nation. And, and that's what I see when I see people with this race shit. I mean, yeah. have you seen a Nazi walking up and down the street lately? Have you talked to somebody who just throws the N word around all the time? Like I haven't. No. And I live in East Tennessee where apparently that's supposed to happen every day, all, yeah. all day long. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I went to school in Milledgeville, Georgia. Yeah. Okay. There, yeah. Yeah. And, and most, I have met a couple of people that are like, true blue racist i don't know if you ever seen bill burr does a joke about the guy who leans up to you in the bar yeah. and he says he just says like hey man look at that n-word over there and you're like whoa dude what what made you think that i was somebody you could say that and confide in do i look like you it's, it's a great it's a funny bit but it's true that yeah. people who are like racist they don't fucking hide it yeah, they're not hiding in the corners. They're open about that bullshit and nobody wants to be around them. But the media sits here and tries to tell you everything is fucking racist because yeah. they want to exploit the victimhood of people. They and, and she talks about that shit. She says you create victims, you tell them why they're victims and you exploit that to divide them. Oh, man. It's fucking crazy. And, and you would think that people would be smart enough to know that that's bullshit. But I'm amazed when I look around me. How well, many people yeah. fall for it? It's, uh, well, it's really sad. So many do. We live in a world where if you date or you're married to a, a if you're white and you're married to a black woman or, or a black man, then that just proves your racism. That proves your colonizer. I'm married yeah. to an Asian, so does that mean that I hate Asians? You now? are, yeah, you okay. are, you're, you need to be rounded up. And, and but what, what is your husband? How does he feel about what's been going on with the Asian hate stuff that they've been putting in the news? Okay, everybody who listens to our show knows that my husband is a liberal, but we actually talked about this before, um, and he was saying that this whole thing, he's really worried about, he's really worried about them trying to turn it into another Black Lives Matter, but Asian Lives Matter thing. He doesn't yeah. want that at all. And I think most Asians don't, really. Yeah, again, I think that's something that's very telling. Yeah, I think Asians I, yeah. really just want to be left the fuck alone and just I, go I, on I, with their I, lives. <laughs> as to, honestly, most, well, just normal people like that have yeah. lives, you know, that don't need to prey upon right. other people. I, I'm just speculating on it because I don't know the experience of, of, of being Asian. My, my nephew is Asian. My sister-in-law is Asian. I don't know what that experience is like or, or what they or anybody else has faced. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do know that when we interviewed somebody who was at the, the January 6th insurrection, it's bullshit. Yeah. But they sent us videos. They sent us pictures. We didn't post them because we didn't want people to find them and, yeah. and make them lose their job. It got really what I saw, right. What I saw was a bunch of, Old people milling and chilling, you know, milling around, chilling out, having a good time, and yeah. a bunch of Asian people in support of Trump. Oh yeah, uh, and, and I presume, <laughs> yeah, I presume because of the, his stance on China. I, I I don't know. That's my presumption. But there was a there. Were, I, I mean, it was so many Asian people that it was surprising to me. I was like, there's a lot of Asian people there, and I'm wondering if part of this narrative that they're mm -hmm. putting out there is for the purpose of uh, trying to prevent 
people who are Asian Americans from leaning right of center. I wonder yes. if it's trying to, to pull them back over to the progressive left. And, and I, I, I don't know. It backfires it, on them. Like, God, me that, too. I think it's too far gone. You know, they're like, I live in Maryland and there's a, I mean, we're a very um, high Asian population, you know, for them to still be a minority, but you know, all, all different kinds of Asian backgrounds are here. And um, there was a lot of strong, trump support from them like and it's well, they're successful and, a lot of yeah, people in the asian community are busting their ass you know just trying yeah. to make it work and uh you know my nail salon they um i they were open as soon as they could be but i felt so terrible for them for being locked down you know my heart went out to them and uh, you know yeah. that's a maybe a i'm Maddie, you're stereotyping that it's only the people with the, you know, only Asians have nail salons. That's all they can do. No, that's obviously not. But, you know, I know how hard those people work. They, I I talk to them. I know how often they work. They don't take vacations very They're like busting their ass. And so for them to have been locked down, I feel like yeah. a, the Asian community was very, very uh, negatively affected from these COVID lockdowns. Like, and, um, yeah, they're not big corporations. Yeah. They, they yeah. have their local very businesses. Small, very fam- small mom and pop. owned businesses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. family, friends. Like, and it and... just depends. I think it depends on, and I hate to say this, but I think it depends on the Asian because it's like Koreans yeah. and Vietnamese, they tend to have like restaurants and family owned businesses. Yeah. Koreans tend to open up businesses in harder neighborhoods to open businesses in because they're willing to take that risk. Yeah. And, Koreans. Yeah. And so, you know, like I would say, like, it just depends. I've noticed, I have noticed that, okay, so my husband, you know, you know, he's a lefty. He follows this That's blog. crazy to me that he says lefty. That's funny. <laughs> I say that because he's not a full on like progressive, which is good, but he's definitely on the left. Um, but he follows a blog called Angry Asian Man. And it's like. A definitely progressive but most of the people that comment on that um blog and that in the website are progressives and they're usually like second or third generation asians they're not first generation asians i've noticed that yeah i actually yeah. got into trouble because i made the mistake of trying to follow the blog and and all that stuff and i would comment on some of the stuff because i remember like one filipino guy was talking about how white chicks hate Asians or some Asian men or something, and I was like, yeah. I had to comment on it because I was like, I'm married to an Asian, white, married, yeah, to an Asian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, women, white here. women don't hate Asian men, and um, I got totally attacked. I got called a Korean boo. What? Apparently, that's like what? a white chick that like just wants to date Koreans, and I was like, I didn't even bother comp like you know correcting her because I my husband's not Korean, by the way. <laughs> uh but yeah <laughs> people we people do clump americans do clump asians into the same category yeah i i don't know yeah. it's, it was just like I, I i apparently i fetishized asian men because i'm white well, so i can't do win you think no this was, what. was yeah was it do you think this was you white people racist. responding to you in this forum no it was all it was asians Asian? and it was actually yeah. getting it started to get really ugly because it was like um there's a couple of us white chicks that got on there that were like, we like Asian men. We're married to Asian men. We're dating Asian men. What the hell is your problem? And then we all got attacked. This was like, this was like four years ago. So this is before we realized like where we were headed. Yeah. And, um, and it was like, 
then it was like some guy talking about like how Asian people are need to have more babies or something and take over this country somehow or something crazy like that. It really started to get pretty scary. So I just kind of like stopped following the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that there's, there's people who are radicals and kind of crazy and then there's the rest of society. And I don't think that, <laughs> The radicalness is determined by race. I, I think there's either. radicals of all races, and yeah. I think there's good people of all races. I think this identity stuff, and again, I'm going to revert back to this lady because I've been, my mind has been blown by the stuff that, how open they were and in, in their panel discussion about narrative warfare, it is the whole idea is identity, identity, identity. Stacey Abrams preaches this as well. Mm -hmm. You fucking drill down the identity propaganda and tr it doesn't matter what the truth is. It does. And they say that it does not fucking matter what the truth mm -hmm. is. It matters what narrative you can put into people from a young age and that they can act on as though they are, they never have to think about it. It's assumptions that they never question and they want that's how they divide people is they do it over identity and they only have the power to do it if we let them do it yeah. that's why these race narratives that's why i get so mad when friends of mine promote the race shit and, and i'm like yeah you're a fucking you're like a jewish white dude who's been rich since the day he's born and you're you're going out protesting for black people how many black people do you know you know it's just like what they they think that who is it for you to stand up and, and make decisions on the behalf of a bunch of black people whose experience you don't know anything about who you've never met. That seems racist to me. And they're trying to manifest reality. And that, that to me is the thing that has to be, if that, if we can fight against that, if we can stop that and have people, they want people to see people based on identity first. So we have the idea of people say I'm a black man or I'm a black woman first. I don't know anybody who says that. I see people yeah. say that on TV, yeah. but I, I've never, I've never seen a white person do that. I've never seen an Asian person do that. It just seems weird to me to make your whole life based on the color of your skin. Off of something you have no control over, you right. have no say in whatsoever. Like why? <laughs> why would you do that? Yeah. No. It's, your personality it's, is something that you can't like change or do anything about. Like I don't get that. Right. Yeah. These propagandists and it's, it's ironic that the, you know, Black Lives Matter and Indivisible and all these groups, the, the money that funnels down, they say it's a grassroots organization. We built from the ground. Mm. Bullshit. It's so yeah, no bullshit. Way. It's so easy to point to find that that's not true at all. Wow, yeah. A bunch of small donations. Blah, 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 blah. Fuck you. You're so full of fucking shit. <laughs> you just want money. You say that. Yeah, it, it yeah. comes from fucking, and this is stereotypical, but this is just one example from George Soros and from fucking Klaus Schwab and all these organizations. Yeah. Edward Bernays perfected the front organization. Now, he wasn't the one to invent it. He acts like he was the one to invent it, but he, he promotes in his book, I just said, I just said that like a big red egg. He promotes, does the promotes in his book. Uh -huh. like, 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 all right, guys, he promotes out there in his book. Sorry, my brother, his mechanic. Um, he promotes in his book the use of front organizations, of scientific. He just, you know what? If you want to influence people, just create a scientific branch of some bullshit and say, we're from the scientific branch and therefore you should do blank and people will believe you. There's a clip of him on David Letterman where David Letterman is like, Dr. Bernays, should I call you Dr. Bernays? And he's like, well, you call me the doctor as part of the trick, you know? And he just, I mean, it's all a fucking trick and a game. And it, watching it, it really does. <laughs> you want to be sick, watch that. I'll send you that link to that interview I was talking all about right. earlier where he's like 4,000 years old. And he's like, titillate, 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 just over and over. He's like, um, weirdo, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but they he seems to get off on on 
conning people. And I, I don't know if that's going to be the case for all of them. I know Walter Littman, if you ever read Walter Littman, uh, I think Public Relations is the name of the book. Um, he is very cynical about it because he also worked with the Committee on Public Information, which is the committee that helped to get us into World War One, because the, we were neutral, America was neutral, and so the, they had to get it, so they set up this commission, and Bernays was part of it, and Walter Littman worked with them, and he's very cynical afterwards saying that, you know, they're, they're just trying to keep you occupied with domestic shit because they don't want you looking at foreign shit at, at international affairs. They, they want you to uh, go to war, so they're going to use atrocity propaganda. Amy, some of his books are hard reads, but Walter Littman posts his propaganda days is very much like calls the shit out. I mean, he really does. He's, wow. uh, I will warn you, anybody who reads him, the guy is like a black pillar, like you've ever, the guy is like oh, no hope, yeah. totally. So, so you like want to be man. mentally okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not a no hope guy. I'm an all hope person. So I, I see revealing the layers of propaganda as every layer you reveal, you empower yourself with more freedom because the illusions that are built around us as children and as we grow into adults tell us that we can and cannot do certain things and we operate based on those. But as the illusion falls, the deeper you fall within the propaganda, the freer you are to go accomplish things that you before might not have been able to accomplish because of that illusionary boundary that was uh, put in. That's actually how I really got into propaganda. Is um, I used to teach. Uh, I used to teach stand up, and people were. I could tell that people were that were really funny, and they really had potential to be really, really great. That they, they didn't. They didn't think that they could because of what they believed about themselves, mm -hmm. because of how they grew up, and mm -hmm. what people had told them repeatedly, and what they thought they were supposed to do before, or the certificate they were supposed to have. Mm -hmm. And I was just curious about ways to, to help people overcome that. And so I, I started looking into propaganda and shit and looking into the indoctrination to discover that this is the fucking point. Yeah. The fucking point is to disempower people. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. a, you brought it up. That. So you're talking about like how people are um, brought up to get like the certificate. And it makes me think yeah. of like how kids are taught from like an early age that their dream goal is to go to college. Good. Mm -hmm you know get a, a bachelor's and whatever really important piece of paper yeah yeah i, don't, I got an economics degree i don't fucking use it I don't, I don't know shit about economics yeah and they probably didn't <laughs> teach about the austrians right yeah yeah totally i I um I, I did I actually I did an online course a while back. I, I would experiment with a lot of these teaching. I, teaching is fun because I love mansplaining, so I, I try to get as yeah, many women in yes, courses good. as possible, so I can just good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the idea of, of getting a degree, you know, it's a it's a series of check marks that you can or cannot get. Oftentimes, based on your privilege and wealth, and this is how they can justify this privilege bullshit, is because some people aren't going to be able to afford to go to college. Some people aren't going to be able to get that check mark and that certificate, and it disregards the fact that the the check mark and the certificate, the degree, is completely disconnected from what you're actually going to be doing in the real world. It all it is is a way to slim down the number of resumes that somebody that a hiring manager has to look at. They, they're going to get a bunch of resumes. They need to fucking trim the file. And so they have check marks. Well, this yeah. amount of experience, this amount of that, this amount of this. And they use that to sweep all the other ones away just to make it easier. When the reality is all they really want as a hiring manager or as anybody who's looking to, to pay somebody to help them is they want somebody who they can trust, who can help them do what they need to do. And yeah. it's competent, and like exactly. Just yeah. give me competency, give me a decent personality. Um, right? Yeah. Like yeah. 
the no resume, the, the degree, yeah, it is changing. Yeah. It's, it's changing a lot over the past few years. But those degrees and those resumes and shit, they're just one way of showing what you can do and showing how you can help. There is so many other fucking ways of showing how you can help. I, I, my eyes got open to this uh, years ago. When I was doing improv, so it was a, a lady who, who, who I did improv with and she took one of my classes and she was a, a career, like she was a, a coach and she was really very sweet and just really helped me a lot because I was trying to put together my resume because I needed a job. I need to make more money because when you do artistic shit, you don't make any fucking money really yeah. because you don't, you don't know the business as you really, people should learn business from the time yeah. they grow up, like in elementary school, but <laughs> of course the they don't be able to do basics. it. Absolutely. So she said, she said, you're in the creative industry, you know, you don't have to have a normal resume. And, and that just totally broke the change for me. I was like, what? I can do whatever the fuck I want. And she's like, yeah. So I, I had, I, I'd always been a writer from the time I, I was, I was young and I'd, I'd written sketches and stuff, but I didn't, I wasn't formally trained in, in marketing writing or, or um, I just done it since I was a kid. And I, uh, because I didn't have the formal training or the formal, I'd had, I'd had sketches accepted to festivals and stuff, but that's something that I don't know how to communicate that in a regular resume because yeah. it's not like part of the checkbox. So I didn't know what to do. But after she told me that, I, I just started, I wanted to write commercial scripts um, just to make extra money. I would do it freelance. And so I, I, just, I just wrote a script. I wrote a 30-second commercial for myself. And um, every single person I applied to, I got an interview. Wow. I got interviews with presidents of, of marketing agencies. Um, and it was all based on the fact that when you look through the fucking pile or on the, on the screen of, of resumes that you get, that that one fucking stands out. Yeah. And that, I know it's different the way people apply for jobs now, but doing the same thing that everybody else does to get a job, that will show how unqualified you are versus the people who have gotten more checkboxes than you. So if you don't have as many checkboxes as the other people, then fuck the checkboxes and start getting creative. And that's when you can get, have a lot of fun with it. So like, if you want to get a job in some industry you're interested in, figure out how what you have, regardless of how you know, credentialed it might be, is how everything that you have can help the people that are looking for, because that's why people pay other people, is for help in certain avenues. And exactly. that's actually how I got into this shit, like, and really deep into this is because of that shit. Wow. Sorry, am I, ram am I ranting too much? I rant a <laughs> no. lot. No, that was interesting to hear, and it, it makes sense, though. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's good, good advice. to know, because I think a lot of people feel pressured to go into the university system and all that stuff yeah. when, the, when they really just want right. to be writers or they want to be comedians. Absolutely. You know, or just, you know, do something creative with their lives. And they waste so many years and so much trying money. to kick away all the creative aspects of themselves so they can fit into the mold that the university and, wants and, them to be. Yeah. And the self-consciousness, the doubt that you have, the fear of, of stepping off that path, the yellow brick road to go and, and do something that you have never been taught about. Other people who have been in the industry, their families have been in the industry, might have, but you haven't. It's terrifying because everybody you know is going to question it because they don't know. They, your parents grew up in the same type of system. Yeah. They did what they did to do it. So they don't, they don't know how to coach you or to help you as a parent in that type of industry because they haven't learned anything about it. Um, there is, that's, I think that's why we see a lot of actor, a lot of famous actors. If you, if you look them up, you find that their parents were also yeah. either producers or actors. And their parents knew what to fucking do in that industry. Yeah. Like they yeah. knew how to say, 
here's so they had a guide to go into that industry. What I would not have given to have somebody tell me when I was 15, hey, no, being a comedian or being a fucking actor is just the same as fucking, you follow the same fucking process as everything else. Here's what you do. You work hard at it. You practice it. You fail, you get better. You fail, you learn, you get better. And then you do it. It's the same fucking shit. I think all people need is that confidence to that it's okay to do it and that you can do it. It's not about some rare fucking talent. That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. It's total I, fucking bullshit. And having, do you also think that there's something about like, I don't know it maybe this is just the human condition, but there is something about like how you just feel like you should be good at it immediately. And if you're not good yes. at it immediately, you just give up, you know? It's Yeah. That's part. I think that's part of the propaganda. I, I really do. It's, it's so hard to overcome that is because we see other people do things exceptionally. We don't yeah. see the practice. Yeah. We, we see Michael Jordan see dunk the from the free throw line. We see him hit the fucking buzzer shot, but we don't see the hours and hours of practice. We don't see the missed shots. I have a poster of Jordan uh, um, in, in my room that is like, I've missed 10,000 shots. I've missed that. I've missed this. And it's like, I failed over and over and over and over again. And that is why I, I have succeeded. Yeah. And, and so we see the success. We don't see the process. And, and the fact is we, the failure comes even when we follow the, the yellow brick road, even when we follow the script, but the failure is built in. And so we don't, we don't have as much stake in it because we don't care about it as much. You know, if I'm, I went to law school for a couple of years. I quit because I, I didn't want to be a lawyer. I, I, I liked the idea of it. I did, I, did, I did well in it, but I was like, yeah. I don't want to do this. I'd rather do stuff that's fun. And I don't want to be an alcoholic. Everybody seems to yeah. be an alcoholic right now. <laughs> and, and, not, um, and I have a life. Like all, I work totally. with lawyers. Like they have right. lives. They have no time. I never feared failing as a lawyer. I never feared failing in law school yeah. because it was okay. Because it was okay that it was mm-hmm. tough and the process was there and there wasn't going to be a lot of pressure on me if I got a bad grade because I'll say, oh, well, that's law school. Year it's one's hard. tough. But if you yeah. quit to go do comedy, you quit to go do acting and all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you do a show. And if you're a comedian, if you want to, anybody listening there wants to pursue comedy, you are going to bomb 90% of the fucking time. Not bomb, but you're going to, you're going to be doing jokes to, to silence, to two or three people. Um, you're going to get heckled occasionally. Most of the fucking process is not going to be laughter, standing ovations. Mm-hmm. But you will get the standing ovations eventually. It's just if you can push through that, that failure aspect of it. In, in improv, they have a thing where it's like, okay, on day one, we're going to embrace failure. Everybody get up and they get everybody to do something they've never done before because you're going to fail at it, obviously. But if you, But we're just... We're, we're conditioned that if we don't get the A plus grade or do the thing perfect, like our teacher tells us where you're in timeout or you get a D, you get punished by your yeah. parents and that transfers over and that's fucking propaganda and it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Failure is the only way to grow. It's the only way to succeed. And they make people terrified of it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because they don't want people to be successful. Absolutely. It's easier and to the, control people that aren't successful. Yeah, they just want them to God. fit into this like, Yeah. They want us all to be amorphous, amorphous, genderless (laughs) blobs. Yeah, totally. Yep. That's what collectivism is. Collectivism is is about we're all the the same thing. Pushing everybody's individual, like, you know, personality down to like this one where we all have to agree and think the same. And we're all average. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they can put people down easily. It's a great point on collectivism. You can't have 
a collectivist society if every person feels individually empowered. Yeah. It's not. So you have to disempower yeah. them individually in order to maintain the collective. And yeah, that's a great point. That's I've never it. thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's depressing. It is. But it, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. freeing though also because yeah, you can exactly. it's exactly. like it's like uh the matrix. You, yep. know, you see through it, you can dodge the bullets, you know, yep. in ways that other other ones can't. You know, that movie and was such a documentary and we just thought it was a piece of fiction. I've still never seen it, which is bad, I know. Did you hear what the directors of it said it was about recently? No. I'm sure they're doing this for probably. I, I can't remember what they said, but I do remember this coming up said recently. It was a, a metaphor because they're both transgenders the directors oh, the brothers i think now yeah. or then yeah or... No, now they weren't then they, they are now then. they then they said it was now. a metaphor for transgenderism the matrix mm -hmm. they, yeah. they've re they've rebranded the matrix as sure. a metaphor for transgenderism. Um, wait so what were they and what are they now they're, they, they were, were men, men and they now they're men women. and now they're now they're, now, now they're still men that dress like women yeah i guess yeah. i don't know if they've had the surgery or not uh, you know, some I really stage hope. Of woman. Right there's some stage of woman. I, I I really want Caitlyn Jenner to enter the Olympics and to win ten gold medals, Man, just as Bruce Jenner did, just to dominate. Just because yeah. why not? Why not win as a man and a woman? Why not? I, I I could I could be a bit. I could come off the bench in the WNBA, score ten points a game. I'm considering doing that if all else fails. Is is switching over genders, playing a little WNBA basketball preaching about how we're not getting the same salaries as the men yeah i mean i think more men should do that because i think it'd be hilarious and then it would be pretty this, damn obvious that this, this they're just the taking advantage to of it do it <laughs> have I mean, you seen the wrestling matches no i've seen the there's, mma there's fights where like i saw one yeah. where like one girl got punched in the face and like her like her cheekbone got broken or something god there was this and one chick in high school that, like, she was a girl, and she was the only girl on the wrestling team, but she joined the wrestling team. I ne I can't imagine, you know, like, Why? all her appointments would have been men. <laughs> yeah. and, Maybe she um, wanted to be. I don't Bonnie. know. It was like, I mean, you know, you could have joined, like, the arts or, you know, picked a music in a musical instrument. Or How was she? I don't even know. Like, I still wonder to this day like how that yeah. went there's a girl who was Weird. who became a kicker on a college football team this past year which there's a lot of women who can kick the shit out of ball. Oh, yeah. I, i'm not i'm not a soccer player i'm not a kicker kicking is i've always thought, I've always thought it's challenging yeah but um there's yeah I, I i don't doubt at all that a woman can fucking nail a field goal my problem is that when the the snap gets <laughs> right, the snap gets thrown over the, the the holder's hand, and then a bunch of three hundred and fifty pound dudes come charging at a woman to to tackle her while she's trying to pick up a fumble. That's where it becomes dangerous. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like I, Serena Williams would beat the shit out of me in tennis. There's no doubt. But the number one tennis player in the world would beat the shit out. The male tennis would beat the shit out of Serena Williams. Yeah, it, it's it's not. It's I, I don't. It, one of my friends tried to make the, he's a progressive, 
we're actually talking about that transgender thing. And one of the reasons women's sports came up is because um, the opportunities in male sports, there's not as many because there's a lot of really good male athletes. Not to say there's not a lot of really good female athletes. There are. I mean, there's a lot of really great female athletes. But when you're comparing the, the elite of the elite, it's not going to be any competition. The, the men just biologically, they're just stronger and, and faster in most cases. Um, against the average dude, don't get me wrong, Serena would fucking dominate. But my friend was like, well, it's okay. It's okay that transgenders can do that. It's so weird too, because it's progressive people arguing that people who are biological men can go dominate women's sports. Yeah. It yeah, just so, you know, seems it, weird to me. It, it's because it's, you know, they're, so, They've accepted the programming. It, isn't it also sort of like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a big um, postmodernist or anything like that. Like I, I've not read a whole lot on it, but isn't it sort of like this postmodern movement where it's like truth is not, you know, set in stone and it's, yeah, there's it's no malleable. objective reality. Yeah. And so I wonder yeah. if like progressive, yeah. and, and I'm not sure about this, but I just wonder if progressivism is like sort of like the, the embodiment of like the progressive philosophy where it's like you know we can we can adjust our views a little bit yeah, here yeah, yeah. and a little bit there and next thing you know we have men dominating women's sports <laughs> i think that's a little marxist leninism yeah i think it's is, is similar to that to that is lenin when he became when he was a dictator i think it was like the third international uh, uh communist conference where they <laughs> determined that the the communist propaganda line that they had been doing is not effective because what they were doing previous to this is they were wearing their their red colors and they were coming out with these aggressive communist appeals and it was scaring people off and so they realized that wasn't working and so lenin who was an organizer lenin wrote like some of the foundational books of organizing saw linsky anybody they all pulled their shit from lenin mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he, he, was, he was good at this shit. He, he determined that the new line, the new approach to spreading communism was going to be um, Mar- Marxist-Leninism, I believe is what they call it, but it was going to be deception. And, and this is an official thing that they declared at the International Communist Conference. It's in, it's in their papers. You can, you can read about it. They talk about their approach to it now. And the way they were going to do it was they were going to take off the red colors, and instead of going with the aggressive communist appeals, they were going to infiltrate and co-opt. They were going to target progressives. Mm-hmm. They were going to target social democrats. They were not going to target conservatives because they hated Democrats, they hated social Democrats, and they hated progressives far more than they hated conservatives because that group had the same target audience. So social mm-hmm. Democrats were targeting the same audience as them. Conservatives were not. They weren't going to so win they the hated conservative their competition. audience. Right. So they wanted to consolidate it into one. So what they would do is they would That's go to nice. them with – they called it the uh, – I think it's they called it the United Front was the, the tactic. And they would go to them with the United Front approach. And this is what we see with intersectionality is um, we want to work together because we have the same common enemy. And we have to fight this demon that's going to ruin our way of life and potentially kill the, everything that you love. And in order to do that, let's unite, let's fight them, and then you know, we'll figure everything, and I, figure everything out, out after. And so they would train the infiltrators to, to go with those approaches, 
And then they would train them to be the most aggressive people in like the union aspect of it. So anytime a job opened up to, uh, they would try to unionize them to begin with. But anytime like, well, who wants to do the accounting? Who wants to do this and that? One of the communist infiltrators, I say me, me, because most people are passive by nature. Most people yeah. don't jump up to take those roles. So they sent people in who would fill those roles. And by filling those roles, they would work against this other opposition group. But what they were really doing was they were taking over the group that they infiltrated and then they were purging the people who did not cooperate. So once they fully took over it, they would give people the opportunity to fall in line. And the ones that did not fall in line, they fucking purged them. We see some of that now with cancel culture. Yes. Mm -hmm. But th this is a strategy that the communists have been using for like fucking 80 years now and you can point people to the, the documents of it. You can show it to them. And it's like, ah, you know, well, if they believe what I believe, I'm like, don't you understand? They're just trying to take over your group and take over the influence of your group and they then kick you the fuck out. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, those are the people that were lined up and shot first once the uh, revolution yep. took place. So, yeah. <sighs> you know, you try Absolutely. to, it, it, I guess it's not an easy thing to tell people that they are the useful idiot. You know, I don't know. There's, right. there's, there's a, there's gotta be like delicate ways to say that. Yeah. Though. <laughs> it's um, tough. It is. It's really tough. It's, um, cause we can't, we don't, we always learn shit on our own. You know, people tell us stuff all oh, the yeah. time, you have to but learn we, it we don't yeah, do the experience. So it's creating that experience to, to, or helping them discover that experience. And it's through questions. I think, I just think the Socratic method is so powerful there's a reason that, yeah. you know, I don't know if Socrates was real or not, but they're, they're, we are real, literally seeing like the trial of people who poison the youth right now. Anybody who gets people to ask questions is getting purged and, and maybe be forced to drink poison in the future. I, I don't know. Isn't that what the but, um, shot might be? Like the, I think that's God, what he's alluding maybe. to or not. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't alluding to that. But yeah, that, it could very wow. well be I mean, that. that yeah. just got deep just now. Okay. I mean, totally. <laughs> Some, some sub subconscious connections going on. Yeah, no, totally. That's, it's that's crazy. It scares me, man. I, I hope, I, I really hope that people that take it are okay. So I know people I have had adverse reactions and we talk about it a lot, but a lot of people that I care about, I'm sure y'all yeah. care about, they, they've taken it yeah. because it's, it's terrifying to step off that path to, yes. to do something different. I haven't taken a vaccine in probably 20 years it was yeah. since I was a kid. And, that, and maybe that's bad. Maybe it's good. I, 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 I don't know. I just want everybody to be okay. You know, I like people. Yeah, I, I know. Right. I know. Yeah. You know, we're, we're human. I'm a humanist, you know, like as yeah, much as yeah. people drive me crazy and off the fucking wall, <laughs> yeah. like I still, you know, I'm not misanthropic at all. I love humans. I love humanity. I want us all to make it. I want us to do this, you know, and yeah. I definitely would prefer if we all kind of like, did our own thing and, you know, didn't yeah. try to force anybody's um, ideals upon another person. And, you know, that's why we're, we, if we're going to pick a label, we like voluntarist. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, totally. I want people to believe in themselves. Everybody has so much too. potential. That's really I know, the thing. Right? Is I they, love you. I think that's why people <laughs> I love want you to get the shot. There. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why people want to get the shot. They have, they don't have any faith in their own immune systems. They don't, they don't, uh, they're, they're so scared. They've been told to be so They've been afraid. told to be scared. Yeah, that I, they yeah, are, they really don't, have. I mean. And that, and that they're not enough, yeah. you know? It's really. And Fauci's done this before. Oh, like, I know, he was on, I know. 
Yeah, the, what's his? Doctor Drew talked about being on Fauci's AIDS fear squad. I mean, he called it a fear squad. That's yeah, what it is. Right? It's, it's a crisis communication tactic where you create this fear right now for something that may or may not happen in the future. Yeah. And Fauci, I just don't like Fauci. He's such no, a liar. Oh, yeah. That voice. I mean, nothing. Yeah, uh, it's just nothing okay. authentic about mask, that guy. Mask, so you know? here's my white I, pill. I went to um, New Orleans last weekend. And they have the, you know, everything shuts down at 11 o'clock. You're supposed to wear a mask everywhere you go. But I'm telling you, nobody in New Orleans gives a shit about I masks bet, yeah. or about I gotta get down curfews. There. And then I think this, this past weekend, I just remember, like, I was down there and I was with a friend. And we were sitting on the levee and we were just talking. And this couple comes up to us and starts just talking to us about, you know, you know, Sharks in the Mississippi River and uh, what was it? Uh, UFOs, yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot, you know, things that you yeah. talk to strangers about Primary, all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Small talk. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, it, the, I mean, I think the husband was like a preacher or something, but he was just like, he was talking about his, how he was in New Orleans when um, the hurricane went through and flooded the whole town and he lost people. Katrina? Yeah, he lost all these people that he was, his neighbors, he lost family members. And all that stuff. And at the end of it, of course, it was crazy. I mean, we were there for like an hour. Um, mm -hmm. But it was nice because at the end of the whole thing, like he wasn't wearing a mask. His wife wasn't wearing a mask. And we were not socially distancing. And he gave us a hug. His wife gave us a hug. It was like the most wonderful experience. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was so nice to actually hug somebody. That I don't like, that yeah. I'm not related I to. Don't even but know. I don't know. Yeah. And, you're still, and you're still alive, <laughs> I know. too. Alive yeah, to tell right? the story. Exactly. I'm still here, yeah, guys. I, I had a, <laughs> I had a friend who, on social media, I've known her for such a long time. Both her and her boyfriend, I've been good friends with for a while, and she has ever since I've known her been the biggest progressive on social media. Just it just um completely different from. She's so chill and cool in person, but just people as people yeah. just get this new boldness on social media they try to keep up with everything and it turns them into something they're they're really not yeah and uh she called me and asked me if i she was gonna have a birthday party for her boyfriend which he's a good friend of mine and, and asked me to come over and this was last may so this was in the middle of all of this and judging on her post i was like fuck am I going to have to be expected to go in there and wear a fucking mask and like yeah, be a stand yeah. on the other side of the yard? This is going to be weird. And I was kind of worried about that, but I was going to go because it's my buddy. And I, I get over there and the first thing opens the door, she gives me a big hug. And then later on, she's passing a joint around and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> well, this is totally fucking different than like, 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 uh, yes, this I think is, we're all ready. I love you guys. I think everybody's yeah. ready right. for this to be over because we all know it's bullshit. Yeah, like in, yeah, and in I our, think, deep in our souls, we know this is bullshit and this isn't right. But absolutely, it's really disappointing. I, like anybody who's kind of still going along with the with the mainstream requirements, yeah, you know, quote unquote requirements. You know, like I think that's why I want to separate us is is because when we get in per together in person, we realize that we, we're know. all over this bullshit. Even my and, friends that are a lot more on board with all this, like when I had girls Christmas Christmas at my house, and I got to hear my more on board with it all friend saying, uh, I don't believe any of this anymore. I mean, sure. <laughs> she did just get jab number two today and she's God. pregnant. And so oh. I'm very worried yeah. and I'm 
pray. Yeah, let's just um, pray for her. All goes well. Um, but you know, it it was again. It's it's kind of been yeah. like an emotional roller coaster for me to have, and I'm sure you guys can relate. Like, and anybody listening to have these friends that you know you, you're only talking or communicating through either social media or if you have a more direct conversation with them just still it's virtual you know you're doing a virtual house party or zoom or just tech group texting um and so like it's different there than whenever we did meet up and were together in person you know like the same chick we celebrated her bachelorette over the over last summer like you know july and so (laughs) many person or virtual in person and yeah. so many people like that was the and you know I'd been hanging out with my family the whole time, but so many people it was their first like anything and, um, and just- <laughs> but it was but it was so everybody like enjoyed the shit out of it so much because they were finally able to relax. It's so cool but to it's be like, around. Yeah, we to- can relax all the right. all the goddamn time, like yeah. almost all the time. Like unless you're immunocompromised, which your life is already a mess and. You already You're already know taking precautions. And you already know. Yeah. And you already know, you know, the level of risk that you can take and, and the precautions you need to take. But really, like, again, it goes back to, and we said this with Jeffrey Tucker, like, the homogenization of everything, the collectivization of all, how we were all supposed to be treated this past year. Yeah. <sighs> it's so degrading. And don't even get me started on the fact that it's all based on a bogus test. Yes. And the, the who is talking about like now, and we've known this for, you know, a year, I'd say, I think any, all of us, fucking all audio of, us of Fauci. Yeah. Fauci goes and says things on mainstream. Then Fauci goes to podcast. Fauci's doing the goddamn circuit. I hate him and so it, it, much. He's so, yeah, I, 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 he's such a, I've never hated I don't anyone like, yeah. more than him. He is he's a, a politician. He's a propaganda agent, and I wish that Rand Paul, like I love that Rand Paul challenges him. What I want Rand Paul to do next time they have one of these interactions is to just not say anything and just play the clip that I, I yes. think you've sent. I think Maddie, I think you sent this to to us uh, of 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 Carrie Mullis saying that Rand Paul will get up to the American people and he will lie to you. And he he has no problem lying to you for his own benefit. He doesn't know shit about what he's talking about. Or yeah, are you saying? And it's still it's on our Instagram. If you guys want, I have two Carrie Mullis videos. So if you guys want to watch, I played that. So I went. My friend had a birthday party, and he's a closet conservative libertarian. He only tells me. Doesn't tell anybody else in the (laughs) art because he's an artist. He's an actor, and and I like two friends like that. He said he's in New York. No, he's in Atlanta. Okay. And so he actually he runs say, a production. Friends. <laughs> yeah, he runs a production studio now, and everybody who comes through there is just really, really progressive, except for a couple. Mm. And I'm just like, do they know? Do they know, dude, that you're? And he's like, no, dude, I would never yeah. work again. I was like, all right. But so, so he, uh, I was over at his house, and he had been trying to get me to debate this other guy that we both know. Um, that he he's a little more open about his beliefs to him, and I, I'm just like, don't do that. Don't don't just. Why I don't want to just debate. Debate sounds like no fun. I, I know he he's he just it, really. It's just it's one of those things. Like, hey, dude, you want to debate so and so? He's just trying to you know cause a little tension among among the boys, and so he this guy was over at his house for his birthday, and my friend started bringing it up a little bit and this other guy who has become a complete radical online i mean more so than anybody i've met total like everything that happens this is what this nazi regime did they should all be killed oh he's talking about trump and stuff like that i mean just over the top to the point of where even progressive friends are like i can't deal with this dude anymore wow. I, he's just way over the top wow. and, and so 
I was talking to the guy and I was like, so what do you know about Fauci? I was asking questions and, and he was answering. I was like, I said, can I play you a clip? I'd like to play you a clip of the guy who created the PCR test. He won a Nobel prize for it. And who, who is uh, um, a, a well, I mean, the guy is, his credentials are there. There's, yeah. you, you, this isn't a fucking, you know, kook. This is a guy who knows his shit. And everything's based on these PCR tests. You know, I, I would ask him out, so you know the PCR test? And he said, yeah. It's like, so this is what everything's based on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, can I play you something from the guy who created it? And I did. And it was so interesting. It was three seconds in. I don't remember the exact thing that he said. I, I think at the very beginning he says, Fauci doesn't know what he's talking about or something like that. Yep. And, and the, guy, the guy, and this is a friend of mine, I know this guy for 10 years. He, 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 he three, four seconds in, he went, yeah and just go no 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 fauci fauci's the the best infection i mean he just started repeating these things that have been just i mean he couldn't even help it he was regurgitating them uh reflexively the, the best uh the like doctor in the world <laughs> it was fucking crazy <laughs> yeah. and i stopped it and i kind of looked around and the dog was because he was so aggressive the dog was on the couch like going because it's like why the fuck is this guy so angry right now <laughs> yeah i was why like, this guy like fauci so much <laughs> right dog yeah you no love idea. fauci i was like dude i just told you that this is the guy so i explained to him again i, I was i was i was cool about it. i wasn't a dick i was just like this is the guy who created it this is what he believes about fauci this isn't I me mean, i'm just telling you to let you know what people think about Fauci that they aren't telling you about. By the yeah. way, he's dead. He died right before all this yes. happened. Yeah. He would be very vocal. I think so too. That, that, I think that so too. Interview, that, that clip I showed you, I mean, he was basically saying that I would say it to his face. Yeah. yeah. You know, he was I like very, that guy. He's funny he was too. so annoyed with Dr. Fauci. Absolutely. And, and he, I, I, I can't remember specifically what it was, but, he during his Nobel speech, he talked about um, a girlfriend of his. He's like, I was dating so and so, and then she broke up with me in the car, and then that made me realize I need to get my life together. And then I came out and won a Nobel Prize. So thank you, Cindy. And you see, you know, he thinks a girl who broke up with him. So he's, so he's a funny guy. Yeah. You know? yeah. He's, uh, well, actually, so um, I remember it makes me want to know like what some of my salt, some of my college professors uh, are saying about this stuff. Um, and because I had one like really cool, my, my molecular genetics professor. And so I've ran PCR processes before. Like they're not like, it's weird that they're being used, I think, as a test. And I think according to Carrie Mollis, who invented the process, it's not like a test. Honestly, like it's a, it's a genetic comparison. You used it. We used it, for example, to like compare DNA. Like, is this person a match? genetically and um yeah. and, it, and it and it can only get you so far because yeah. what it is yeah. is looking for repeat um sequences but sequences yeah. are gene like it's very very infinitesimally small material that has to just match up but um so anyway i remember when we were you know learning and doing this process in lab he taught us that carrie mullis the inventor of the pcr process he was driving along, what is that really long, windy um, California highway? 66? I don't know. The one that is mm. like, you know, in every movie and <laughs> yeah, I don't it's know either. just the most epic one. You know, somebody from California is listening. And is, I think it's Route 66, but I don't know. I feel I, like 66 is like guy. cross country. I'm not sure. Though. Maybe. 
Um, but so apparently he was tripping balls. Yeah, driving. <laughs> I'm actually along reading his book Cal- right now. That's so, awesome. Yeah, tripping tripping balls while driving, and kind of like the idea came yep. to him. Yeah, that's awesome. So thank you, Cindy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is his book good? I, I like the guy. He is actually I mean, he, he a seems really like a cool good guy. writer. And he, that's and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, to be honest, I think sci- like the best scientists are very creative. And that mm-hmm. makes it a makes lot of sense. sense that he would be like gotta, into. Get outside the box. Yeah. He's into psychedelics to kind of open his mind more. What? What a yeah. stark contrast. I know. Really is again, Fauci. Again, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, again, it's worth being more told to narrow the way our thinking is. And he's like, I'm trying to expand himself. Which yeah, is what made him godlike. You know? It's really, it's really it, actually it's crazy. Honestly, and so, this is something like Jeffrey Tucker and others are saying like, you know, it's going to be, this is ultimately, I think, going to be very damaging to the expert class, the the science, yeah. the scientist, scientific class, like the academics, you know, the more and more people are woken up to how much they've been lied to um, yeah. and how much has been um, maybe not, maybe not, enti- maybe fabricated isn't the word, but just it's all been very disingenuous from the beginning it's yeah they haven't they're not given full information yeah they're, they're taking no, things I, out of context there there's a lot a definite, of cherry-picked information that's being force-fed to people this vaccine campaign which is being i think it's uh it's the ad council the ad council is mm-hmm. behind the organizing this whole thing and the ad council used to be called the the ad the, the advertising war council because they were created to to spread war propaganda to win public support for the war back in like the 30s or something like that i saw and, and, and mm-hmm. yeah and they changed the name of it <laughs> like they always do. They right? the fucking name like it's name. yeah i mean that's so 1984 <laughs> so fahrenheit 451 like was it, it like read the, people read those books like yeah. Why are you making these connections? Like we're literally right. living these dystopian <laughs> and didn't realities like the, that were written Bill about. Bill Gates Foundation wasn't it? You or it might have been a foundation that's off that foundation that was like the Population Control Foundation yeah. or yeah. something like that. It used to be called that, like the the, pop, the Institute for Population Control, oh, and then they changed the name of it. They, they do that. These organizations, they they play their role and then they just change their fucking name and the same people do the same and shit. Everybody's got a it, goldfish memory and you know, myself yeah, included, there's so much I don't know, but right, or, I, and can't remember. They're like, it, life is hard. <laughs> We've got totally. To That's do. an important point <laughs> yeah. too. It's like, we're, we're all like, we all have to survive, you know? Yeah. And it's nobody's immune. We're all fucking vulnerable to, to the really propaganda are. being manipulated because it's very sophisticated and, you don't want to get to a place where you fucking question the ground you're about to step on because then you'll just be like a paranoid, you know, all the time. You won't even step out of your bed because you're worried the ground won't be there. But you also don't just want to swallow everything whole. Just like a healthy skepticism is good. And they don't want people to have a healthy skepticism yeah. right now, which, yeah. which worries me that they're trying to really push us into to some sort of war because that's what they tend to do historically when going towards the wars to snuff out the uh, people who question things. Like there used to be the, they had the Institute for Propaganda Analysis that emerged after World War One, I, I think it was, and they they sent a bunch of they they were angry. There was a revolt against propaganda because 
the public recognized what had happened. They recognized that they were lied to um, because documents were discovered and released. Maybe, I mean, this could all be propaganda too, but the, the entire public was like, what the fuck? They lied to us about the war. And so this emerged and they were teaching the literacy classes, which now they're also kind of doing, but the, the literacy classes are teaching or making people stupid instead of smart. Mm. And then a, as we approached the war, they lost their funding. Suddenly they were never not sending their newsletters. They couldn't teach people shit anymore. And then it was gone in the, the Institute. It wasn't there Down anymore. The right. Because they, when they get to, they have a certain goal they want to reach. They seem to whittle things down and shape things in the way they want them. And, the, the power we have to fight back is to always ask questions. Yeah. And whenever they tell you not to ask questions, that's a fucking red flag. Yeah. Ask the questions. Absolutely. Exactly. I saw, yeah, I, I don't want to go off subject here, but I, it did remind me of it earlier. You mentioned Louisiana. I saw my first breasts in Louisiana as a young boy. See, it's about freedom. It's just about freedom. Just expanding your mind. <laughs> right. I was eight years old at the time. I remember it like it was yesterday. I saw multiple people I was being on the street. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the freedom. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's that's great in Louisiana. It's so it's so much fun. I think I've been there twice. The first time when I was eight. Uh, which is my parents obviously had no idea yeah. what Bourbon Street was. Because oh, my, my brother had a baseball tournament there. He mm. played for Georgia Tech. He's he's uh, he's a lot older than me, and so I, that's how I, I I got into comedy. Is I would heckle if I'd be I was seven eight years old, and I'm fighting with you know college students from the other team, yelling at the Tough players in the field. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a blast. I yeah. I loved it. And so we go to Louisiana on Bourbon Street, and, and I, yeah. My parents are so sweet. My parents met each other when they were 14, 15 years old, and they had me when they were older. They're in their 70s now. They've been together for a super long time, um, super conservative, and don't understand a lot of stuff that I do. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I love them super, already. <laughs> right. They're super, super sweet. It took, it took me to Bourbon Street, had no idea. Oh, and man. I remember when we were on there, I look up. And there's, there's a girl because people throwing beads around yeah. and there's a girl pulling her shirt up and, and she made eye contact with her. And I'm just like, I'm eight years old and she just kind of put her shirt back down. I'm like, oh God. And then like, uh, you know, 30 minutes later, my parents are pulling me out of a strip club because I'd wandered in a strip club <laughs> oh, as an eight year old. Because you instinctively Little just kind of knew where to I go. Knew. I knew where this to go. Be, right? you know? Yes. Yes. It was great. Talk it was a great time. <laughs> Absolutely. Bourbon Street. I recommend it. I recommend it. Everybody should go there at least once in their life. It's definitely, it, yeah. I mean, Bourbon Street was crazy. Even though it closed at 11 o'clock, it's still crazy. Lame. Are you from there? No, I'm from East Tennessee. I just, I went to go, okay. I went to go there uh, for like my birthday, basically. And I visited yeah. a friend down there. Yeah, it's a good time. I want to ask you about your experiences in in, in, the, in the hospital nursing and Maddie, your experiences, PCR tests and everything. I don't want to, I know you guys, we've been on a while, but maybe in the future we, we talk again. So I want to hear about like, I, I find it so interesting because you guys work in the industry and, uh, and we ain't buying it. Just, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I would just love to hear about like your interactions and what you're hearing from the inside and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. I hear it's like I, I've said before, it's, kind of depressing honestly like but like I talk to very smart intelligent people or you know otherwise would be but yeah. they have completely drunk the Kool-Aid yeah totally my, my friend the other day 
it was a text message chain and I, I don't always jump in because it just, it, you can't ever really get anything accomplished yeah. in text message. It, There's only but so much of a point. Yeah. A, the subject came up of who is the woman who wrote, um, JK Rowling's, I think yeah. who wrote the, uh, Harry yeah, JK Rowling's. And now she's yeah, a Harry transphobe. Potter. Right. The transphobe, yeah, exactly. the transphobe, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the transphobe liberal. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so they, two of my friends in this text chain are very, are very liberal mm -hmm. and progressive. My other one is the closet, is the closet conservative who these other two know that he's conservative. So they, they poke fun at him, mm. which they shouldn't because they're, they say ridiculous shit, yeah. but Arrogance. they were talking about JK Rawlings and they're, they're like, oh yeah, they were just bashing her, just fucking bashing that her. That transphobe. Yeah, fucking transphobe. And my other friend goes, well, what did she do? A legitimate question. Yeah, no, exactly. What did she do? Yeah. Right. And their response was, or one of my friends responded, he goes, oh, you know, just general transphobia. And I'm like, wait. What is general let's transphobia? Back, let's back up a little bit. <laughs> you are condemning a wait. person that you don't know for general transphobia. What the fuck does that mean? So those are like general radiations of like transphobia. Yeah. So it's like They're general to like moderate. It's really like specific and biting transphobia. Extreme. Elementary transphobia. Yeah, el it's fucking crazy. Elementary. He could not even give an example. His, his fucking response, ah, general transphobia. It's bullshit. And this is how nobody has any specifics for the shit that they believe. They just had this general belief that they... <laughs> fucking and to call somebody a transphobe, to call somebody fucking racist based on absolutely nothing is dangerous and it makes you part of the fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah. I swear a lot. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Let it out. I know you're not allowed to really swear on your podcast, so you can <laughs> let it out here. Yeah, I am a swear. I'm definitely a swear. Yeah. No, it's good. We're about freedom here. Um so I think, you know, let's I definitely agree we could talk forever and we should definitely talk again because there's so much we didn't even get to touch despite yeah. us going about an hour and a half or plus. Actually, we're going, we're close to, you know, two hours now. So, um, on that note, uh, Brad, where can people find you? You can find me at the com or whatever podcasting platform that you're on. We do a daily show called drive time news blast where we kind of give, um, we take the news of the day and we kind of look at it from another angle. We'll try to see beyond the right left paradigm that they're promoting. And we do deep dives on Rockfin. We deconstruct, like panel discussions from the council on foreign relations from psychological warfare operators and stuff like that the people who are trying to shape the world we live in we do deconstructions of their videos and i'm on youtube at youtube.com slash brad binkley i haven't put much up lately i occasionally make uh videos of fake interviews with people and stuff like that um i'm doing That's them with fun. joe biden a minute gonna put up soon so yeah i got a sit down with joe with that i'm working joe on biden. right now with Joe Biden, yeah, with Joe, and Kamala, and Kamala. Oh also. man, She's there okay. Too. So yeah, yeah. We'll and Twitter is what is my, at Freedom Act Radio mm -hmm. on on Twitter, definitely. Okay, great. Thanks for having me. By yeah, the way. No, thanks for coming. This I, this is a great. Thanks way for to being our last guest for Mansplain. Yeah, I, I'm honored. Yeah, yeah. I hope I lived up to the, the rest <laughs> I think of the so. Mansplainers. Do you feel exhausted from that? You know, I do. I feel like I mansplaining. totally feel like I don't know if I'm mansplained well, if I represented the mansplain. <laughs> Let me tell you guys what mansplaining is like. As a man, you have to really yeah. make sure you impart that message <laughs> upon the, these feeble women and, and the minds and really <laughs> soak it in. So you got to demonstrate it really well. So I, 
that's that's just how it works to let you guys know yeah so guys in case you didn't catch it um you know that's how that's how it's supposed to work so mansplain to your women so that you know everybody can ultimately choose um routes of life that encourage more freedom <laughs> less yeah. oppression you know not mansplaining for freedom yeah mansplaining for freedom you know that's what we're here for and uh you're, you're welcome <laughs> Because Jesse and I could have had broads on all month. <laughs> yeah, this is supposed to be like but Women's History Month or something. It is. We had all well, male we, guests. Yeah. They all, all mansplained. Let me, you, let me tell you about women's history. <laughs> <laughs> That's another episode <laughs> that we won't have, probably. All right, Jesse, where can people find us? Um, we are most active on Instagram. and You can find us there at Voluntary Vixens. Um, same thing on Facebook. Not as active. Um, getting more active on Twitter at Vixens Voluntary. And I've noticed that your activity yeah, on yeah, Twitter has picked up a there. Bit yeah, more active there. Yeah, you're very sassy. Yes, I'm very, very salty. Jesse. Yeah, it's probs Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I put probs Jess or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there, we also have a Patreon if you guys would like to donate to us um, at Vixens underscore Voluntary. I believe is what it is. And that's yep. it, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, so, Binkley, thanks again. We'll see you soon, either on our show or yours. Um, Thank you guys, too. It's it's great. I don't mean to interrupt, but it's great. Um, it's great to have women promoting freedom. It, it's it's awesome. It's yeah, yeah. So, thank you guys. Yeah, yes. you're welcome. Do because we Tom Woods mansplained to me what <laughs> all that was, and that's what woke me up. So. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. No, Ron Paul, actually. I'll, I'll give him credit. And then Tom Woods. A lot of men did a lot of mansplaining. Yeah, a lot of mansplaining. And here we are because of it. <laughs> you know? But it's all part of the well, process. You know, yeah. it's all going to start somewhere. And it's all about ideas and sharing them. So. Well, I'll give you a secret. Men are, we're helpless without women. So <laughs> yeah, we're completely helpless. <laughs> I honestly think it goes both ways. I think it, you know? yeah. Life would be really we need each other, men. And so. Would be. I mean, we all need each other. You know, we're all here for a reason. So, yeah. We'll catch you next time. Um, Vixens, in the meantime, keep it sane, keep it peaceful, and keep it voluntary. <laughs>